Well, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Those of you who are joining online, thank you. It is a cold Nebraska morning, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Um, speaking of cold, I spent the 93-94 school year in Siberia. I was doing campus ministry there. And at the time I was there, the country was really um, in chaos, run by the mafia, anarchy, Really, police were no help. And so we as Westerners wanted to keep a low profile because we were seen as targets, as being wealthy, and really comparatively we probably were, even though we were on missionary salaries. So it was a little discouraging to me one day when somebody, one of the Russian students came up and said, hey, could I practice my English with you? Well, sure. So we had our conversation. And then I said to him, how did you know I wasn't Russian because my coloring, I could blend in by coloring. I'm of European descent. Oh, he said, oh, that's easy. Why was it so easy? He said, I can, you can tell by looking at an American by looking at their face. They're just, they smile more. They're just cheerful. They're just different than Russians. It's an easy one to pick out. It, it gives you a way. It's a characteristic. Well, that got me thinking, what should characterize as pe- us as people who follow Jesus, should there be some dead giveaways? Well, externally, maybe, but what I want to talk about is internally. There should be some things that mark us clearly as people who follow Jesus. And I want to talk about two of those today. So if you have a Bible, as Nate mentioned, would you open it to 1 John 1? We're going to start in verse 5 and go through chapter 2, verse 2, wrestling with this question, what should set us apart as followers of Jesus? What is it that should set us apart as followers of Jesus? Verse 5 starts this way, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. Uh, John picks up on the metaphor of God being light, that, that is all throughout the Old Testament, And the idea of light is it it brings life, it raises our countenance, it gives us joy just by itself. Think about yesterday. Cold day, snowy day, sun comes out. Uh, There's just a difference in countenance uh, compared to today. No sun in sight. Well, that's just a picture of God as light. He gives life, that picture. And then the contrast to God and light is darkness. That's evil. That's stuff that takes away life. And there's no place for darkness in the presence of light. So you go into a room that's dark and you turn on the light and assuming it's working, what happens to the darkness immediately? It's gone. It's dissipated. Somebody was helping with uh, a couple people helped, which we appreciate, do the, the, the walks today. And they were in this closet. And one of the guys said, hey, is there a light switch? Yeah, there is. Here it is. And right then, the, the darkness dissipates. It's gone. There's light. We can now see. So there's no place for dark and light. Jesus, when he was on earth in his public ministry, picked up on this. In John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. So he's clearly connecting himself to that metaphor. So that 
then impacts our relationship with God. And John says that in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness. Now, I want to be careful how we define this. We're not talking about sinless perfection. When we're talking about walking, what, what is it that characterizes our life? If we walk in darkness and we say we have fellowship with him, we lie and do not practice the truth. So we say, yeah, I've got this commitment. I made this commitment to Jesus years ago, but nothing in my life shows that. It, it characteristic. John would say, ah, we, we got to disconnect there. We need to talk about that. And so we wrestle with that as, as believers. How do we reconcile the fact that we're imperfect with the fact that God is perfect? We'll get to that. But when John says we have a life that's characterized by darkness, by evil, by rebellion to God, well, those two are incongruent. Now, the teachers in John's day, the false teachers, reconciled it this way. They said what goes on in the spiritual world and what goes on in the material world, the physical world, are totally disconnected. So I can live like the devil himself in the material world world, my physical world, but it doesn't affect my spiritual being. And that was a point of disagreement between John and the false teachers. He said, you're wrong. You're out of fellowship with God. That'd be an extreme. And yet in my years as a pastor and in ministry, people do a kind of an amazing job of trying to rationalize their sin. So what are you talking about? So the Bible is very clear. We're not to gossip. And yet, we'll wrap gossip in a prayer request. Hey, have you heard me praying for the, the Joneses? Because they did. We could just leave it. We pray with the Joneses. We don't have to give details. But, but we rationalize that. Um, you know, I, clearly, as people who follow God, we're to be people of integrity. And yet, we uh, bill for hours we really don't do. Well, I, I, you know, I'm trying to have a, a, a proactive witness before the boss. Um, we take something from the company that really, but they're a big company, they won't even notice, and they really care, and, and God is for the vulnerable, and I'm one of the vulnerable. I mean, people can get quite elaborate in their rationalization. And yet we would definitely believe that what goes on in the physical world affects our spiritual life and vice versa. And so then John then is speaking to this. In verse 7, he puts out a contrast. He says, if we walk in the light. Now, the light has a, um, a metaphor of giving life, but it also has an, an illumination. We're walking in the light. Howard Marshall wrote a commentary on this. He said, imagine you're in a pitch dark room and there's a spotlight and you're on a stage. And you can walk as far as that light is around you. And and you're safe to step anywhere. But you step outside the illumination of that, you're you're at risk. You could go right off the stage. You could could step on something that's not there. And and so uh, John would suggest that we are to walk in the revelation, the understanding that God gives. He says, and we walk in the light as he himself is the light. We have fellowship with him. We're going to walk in what he reveals to us and with one another. There's that connection again. Fellowship with God, fellowship with one another. And then he goes on, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
So we're dealing, we're, we're wrestling with this. Okay, we got this. God is light. God is perfect. I'm not. And that's a little life characterized by sin. But, but I still, I, I got to tell you, I, I fail every day. I sin every day. I live apart from God, and, and there's consequences to that. What about that? And, and John says, that is cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Notice it's not something we can do. See, I was brought up to believe you, you kind of work. You make a deal with God. You do bad, and you, then you do some good, and, and you balance it out. And, and John and Jesus would teach something else. We've got to entrust that sin completely to God. So years ago, I don't do it anymore, but I would take my Fridays, and I would work uh, as a nutrition service substitute. So I'd be in a lunchroom at a school, and you could be serving. Uh, but a lot of times, they'd put the subs on dishes. And some of these uh, dishes would get really, really dirty. And, and I mean, I'd be scrubbing, scrubbing, scrubbing away. And I, I'm not making any progress. And the manager would say, soak it. A couple squirts of this soap in the sink and just put it in there. And what I couldn't do, scrubbing away, in, in a matter of just a short amount of time, the water and the soap could do. And, and I, you look for pictures of what do we do with our sin. Somehow, I've got to take care of it. No, 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 no. We need to entrust that to God. We need to soak it, if you will, in the blood of Jesus. So we're, we're talking about this I, I, I question of what sets us apart. I'm talking internally. What, what is it? It's something in our, our, our soul and our heart. And it's two things, I think, that come out of this first few verses passage. One is a, a dependence on Christ for the forgiveness of sin and a dependence on Christ for direction for our steps in life. That's what sets us apart. Where are you going? I'm, I'm going where, where, Jesus, where Jesus shows me. I'm, I'm going where the, the spotlight. Uh, what, what makes you right? What makes you good? Well, nothing in myself, but it's, you know, I, I'm counting on, on Jesus to make me right. Ever been to a Husker basketball game at Pinnacle Bank. Halftime, they'll go out and they'll blindfold a person. And I think it's a $100 bill. They put it on the floor and they spin the person around, they spin the person around, and then they've got a minute to find the thing. And that person is completely dependent on who? The crowd. And they go, and then the crowd starts cheering and they start cheering. Again, they can't see and you walk this way, no, 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 no. And, and they've got... I think it's 60 seconds, but they've got a set amount of time to find that thing. And the closer they get, the more, well, God's a little bit more refined in how he communicates with us. But I love that picture. I'm not going anywhere unless God directs me. And what we understand is God isn't directing us to 100 bucks. He's directing us to life. And he says, it's in me. It's in my illumination. It's in my direction. Let me lead you there. Still, we're, we're, we're confounded with this subject of sin. I, I serve a perfect God. I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm still sinning. So John deals with that in verse 8. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, verse 8 is very similar to verse 10. And so the scholars are kind of split. Why does John do this twice? I fall with the, the set of scholars that would say he is, in verse 8, he's talking about our sin nature. You have a born-in tendency to rebel against God. 
Okay, how many parents do I have here? Can I see those that are parents? All right, any aunts or uncles that have been around young nephews or nieces? Okay, these kids, when they're born, and they learn to speak, if it's not the first word, what's one of the first words they learn? No, no, no. We have two sons. Our second son, at 18 months, would sit in my lap, and he'd take his chubby little finger, and he'd stick it in my chest, and he'd tell me, you're not my boss. You can't tell me what to do. Hope, did he learn this from you? (laughs) Say, Andy, adolescence is going to be a ride? I didn't teach him that. No. That's your nature to God. That's mine. Don't tell me what to do. I'll run my own life, thank you. And sometimes we say it actively, sometimes we say it passively. And the wrong thoughts and the wrong actions and the wrong words come from that. Now John's pointing that out, not to condemn us, but to say there is a cure, there is a solution to this. But if we will not acknowledge that, we cannot get help. Imagine the person that goes and says, you know, we've run a scan and we think we've got a cancer here and, and, you know, we've got a treatment for it. No, I'm going to deny it. You deny it to the demise of your life. John says, I've got a cure. I've got something to step into. And here's what he says in verse 9. If we confess our sins, those actions, we agree. Confess means agree. If we'll do that, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we will but agree, God, yes, this is, I am laying this on you. I'm, I'm putting it, I'm soaking it in you. I am agreeing this needs to change. Will you forgive my sin? God says he will do that. You know, around here we're, we're using kind of three terms, grow, connect, and and service is kind of key elements to being Christ in our community. And, and people will say, grow. Well, Andy, what do you talk about grow? What do you mean grow? Here's, here's an area of spiritual growth. The idea that somehow we can make it up to God. Now, that, that was a hard concept for me. I came, I'd been going to church I don't know, almost 18 years when I got involved in the Dorn Bible study. And I got confronted with this idea, Andy, you've got sin, and you've got to lay it off, and you've got to confess and trust God. And, and I was always taught you need to do these things to balance it out. Growth is, I understand that. I understand the depth of my sin. I understand there's nothing I can do for God but to ask his forgiveness and to say, I'm claiming the blood of Jesus because I've got nothing else. So I come over to your house, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit rambunctious. And, and you say, Andy, careful. You know, there's a fam- family heirloom there that's fragile. And it's come down. It's four generations. Great-grandma, grandma, grandma to, to me. And I'm not careful. And I bump it. And it falls and it breaks. Foolish on my part. At this point, all I can do is say, you know, I, I should have listened to you. Will you forgive me? I think I would offend you if I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go antiquing. And yeah, I, I, I got an eye for this stuff. I'll find a bargain. I, I will find you something that has more dollar value than, than what was broken. 
I think he'd be offended. Because, see, that was a value, because that's come down four generations. It's just not a dollar value. Do you understand when we sin? And sin is ultimately a, a rejection of God, it's rebellion of God. That is offensive to God. And say, hey, let me pay it back with a little, you know, I'll do some Sunday school and I'll write an extra check to the church. Of course, I never want to discourage that, but hey. You think you can buy God's favor? You think he needs your money? Really? We need to grow in understanding our sin is greatly offensive to God. And we have but one option to claim the blood of Jesus and to soak it in his forgiveness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And that's what John's got. We make him a liar. And John says God doesn't have a place for that. There's no healing. Now here's one of the problems of sin, in my opinion, that keeps us from wanting to own it and to bring it. There's shame. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that. And, and man, I don't know if, that God can hear me, and I don't know if God can help me, and I can know that. It, and, and, you know, we talk about grow and, 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 and connecting. And here's where I'm speaking personally. Connecting with other believers and sharing my struggles helps me. So my wife and I, are, we're in the, right now, we're in the um, stage of life. We're trying to launch Launch our kids. They're 22 and they're 19 and they're great kids, but we kind of want to get them on their way. And, and that is a unique, if you haven't done that, that's a really unique time of life. And you're trying to figure it out. They, again, our kids are great kids. But, and I, I, I fit and start. I do good and then I do bad. And you know, one of the things that helps me, I was thinking about this today. I think I had at least three conversations last week with people in this body who are in the position of trying to launch their kids too. And they're not failing as badly as I am, but they're, they're in the struggle. And you know, it's very, very helpful for me and for Hope in this to come alongside and to think someone's with us and, and okay, I don't know, to, to know that, I, I can bring that to the Lord. I, I just think the grow and connect. But I encourage you to find someone with whom you can be honest and say, this is where I am. I don't know, it breaks down the shame, if you will. Okay, I'm not in this. And and, it allows us to to bring this to the light before God and for others. So again, we're we're dealing with this issue that uh, we fail. And John's writing that to let us know it doesn't have to end when we fail. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So that's the hope. I don't want you to take advantage here. We're shooting for growth where we sin less. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have an advocate that's a lawyer. What does he do? He makes the case for his client. Just Mercy is a story of uh, Brian Stevens, his lawyer, who went to represent Walter McMillan. This was down in Alabama. Falsely accused and, and you know, he went to see him and he said, you know, Walter McMillan said, this is, this is just not worth it. The system 
was against it. And Brian Stevenson would not let it go. And he kept advocating, and he kept advocating, and he kept advocating, and he finally won his freedom. Well, we are guilty, and everything says we deserve eternity separated from God. And Jesus keeps, like that Lord, he keeps advocating, and he keeps advocating. And he said, I've died in their place. And what specifically does he advocate? Verse 2. And he himself is the propitiation. What is that? He has satisfied the wrath of God. He has taken on the just punishment. So we go out today, and I'm not paying attention, and I back into your car, and it's just a little bit of a ding, and you say, hey, Andy, don't worry about it. Still, you're going to absorb the cost of my foolishness. Maybe it's not enough to keep you from running, but now you've got a ding in your car. You either repaint it or you worry about it rusting. You have to bear the cost of my... There is a cost for wrong actions. And what Jesus is saying is I'm bearing the cost of those wrong actions. John 8, 46, Jesus said among his opponents, which one of you finds any sin among me? And the answer was silence. I have no... Before the Father, he says, I have no penalty to pay... I paid on the cross a penalty that wasn't mine. I have absorbed the propitiation for his sin. I have absorbed the propitiation for his sin. He advocates that and advocates that, and that's the certainty we have. So when you're wondering what can make you right before God, it ain't got nothing to do with you or me. It's Jesus who advocates for you as we speak. that he has taken on the consequence of your sin. We're people, internally. What's, what's, what's setting us apart? We are completely dependent, dependent on the advocacy of Jesus and completely dependent on Jesus for the illumination where we go. That is what sets us apart as followers of Christ. About 40 years ago, I was back in Colorado and there's a bunch of friends I meet there. And, and this couple I will meet right by the campus of the University of Northern Colorado. There's a restaurant just off that we always go to. We've done it for the last 10 years. And I was a few minutes early. And in walks this group of guys. And I'm going to approximate heights. About six of them. Six, four, six, seven, six, nine, six, eight, seven foot, six, two. You know what I thought about that group of guys? I made a judgment on them. You know who I thought they were collectively? I thought they were the basketball team. Team version of I didn't speak a word. I don't know anything. I, I just observed them come in. But I made a, an assumption on their height. This is the basketball team. You see three or four guys, six, eight or above. I think, yeah, I think that's the ball team. You know, there's some things. When people look into our soul, look into our being, look into us, what is it we're betting on? What is it we're counting on? What is it we're all in that we're staking our chips? It's this, that we're dependent on Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. And we're dependent on Jesus for illumination to guide our steps wherever we might walk. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful that uh, you do offer forgiveness of sins. And, and Lord, we forgive us for the, to the degree we think somehow we can uh, pay you back for the wrong we've done. Lord Jesus, it is your blood and your advocacy that sets us free 
uh, as sinners. And Lord, you guide our steps. You provide the illumination on that stage that we know where to step. Thank you for Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen.